From the capital city, I'm Kevin Allen. Alaska Department of Transportation spokesperson Sam Dapsvich has provided an update on street access in the valley, where the state and borough both have road projects underway. Our contractor, Secon, has ramped up on work on the Mendenhall Loop Road uh, resurfacing project. Um, they're taking advantage of the good weather to try to get as much as they can done as far as milling and paving. Um, and there are there have been some effects to the nearby neighborhoods. Um, there's a CBJ project taking place back there, so there are street closures. You know, leaving one exit at Nancy, which uh, has made it difficult when our Secon crew is working in front of Nancy um, for folks to get in and out. Um, but I found out just a little bit ago that um, CBJ is going to reopen Tongas Avenue when we have some work taking place out in front of Nancy. So folks will be able to get in and out on the feeder streets uh, off of Tongas Boulevard. So that neighborhood will have access through several streets back to Mendenhall Loop Road. Night work will also continue. We're going to have some night work going on on Mendenhall Loop Road, and there will be some short-term closures of side streets, uh, but folks will be able to get where they need to go. DOT spokesperson Sam Dapsovich. A document obtained by News of the North shows that a group of registered voters are asking the Huna City Clerk's Office to certify a petition that would allow signatures to be gathered to put the question of recalling Mayor Gerald Byers on the ballot. News of the North reached out to city officials to verify the filing and received a reply from Huna City Attorney Jim Sheehan saying, yes, a petition was filed and that the city is reviewing the legality of the petition. Four grounds for recall are stated. The four grounds are that Byers acted incompetently when he dismissed without cause former Vice Mayor Amelia Wilson. Then he acted incompetently when he engaged in an argument with a Huna Department of Public Safety employee during a city council meeting. Another ground is that he showed misconduct when he requested passwords to the audio and video feed of the police department office from the city's internet provider. The final ground is that he showed a failure to perform his prescribed duty when, the pro when he prolonged a contract negotiation with the police chief to the point where further negotiations required a special city council meeting to resolve. Stay with News of the North as we follow this emerging story. Meanwhile, the Huna City Council will be holding a regular meeting tonight at 7 p.m. at City Hall. Topping the agenda is a public hearing regarding an ordinance that would allow for a resolution each year to set the dates and times that fireworks can be possessed and used. Following the public hearing, that ordinance will come before the council for a final reading and vote. An ordinance will also be introduced in first reading that would send a question to voters in the October 4th city election asking them whether or not to adopt a managerial form of government. Huna currently has a strong mayor form of government, with Mayor Gerald Byers presiding over city business. The Joint Legislative Budget and Audit Committee met yesterday in Anchorage to approve an increase in spending with an outside law firm to investigate the dismissal of former Permanent Fund Corporation CEO Angelo Rodell. Senator Natasha Von Hemoff is the chair of the committee. The purpose today is to uh, look at the budget thus far uh, and consider potentially adding a little bit more money to the Alaska Permanent Fund investigation. We are discussing the cost incurred to date 
associated with the ongoing investigation pertaining to the termination of the Alaska Permanent Fund CEO, Angela Rodell. And earlier this year, we hired Schwab, Williamson, and Wyatt um, to engage in interviews with various board members and staff to determine uh, exactly what happened. Initially, this committee chose 100000 to cover the cost. Uh, it was an amount that we felt was reasonable at the time. Attorney Christopher Zolte of Schwab, Wilson, and Wyatt spoke to the reason of the additional 50000 in billing. We developed uh, this, the projected additional um, budget of $50,000 based on, uh, we looked at the estimated number of hours we we're going to have to spend on additional witness interviews and depositions, um, drafting the report, presenting the report to the committee. We also included a 15% contingency amount to try to address any potential overruns um, or, or ex ex additional time than, than what was originally expected. So I guess the best I can say is I'm, pretty, I'm very confident that we'll be able to meet or come in beneath that uh, projected additional budget. And then the motion passed. Representative Chris Tuck was the maker. I move that the legislative budget and audit committee approve an amendment to the existing contract with outside counsel Schwabi, Williamson, and Wyatt an additional amount of $50,000 for a total amount not to exceed 150000 for legal services to investigate the circumstances and events surrounding the termination of former Alaska Permanent Fund Corporation Executive Director Angela Riddell and to prepare a report. Is there any objection in person or on the phone? Seeing no objection, the motion passes. The board that oversees Alaska's multi-million dollar investment portfolio removed Rodell as chief executive officer last year. The Alaska Division of Elections is gearing up for the August 16th special election to fill the remainder of the late Representative Don Young's term in Washington, D.C. Lieutenant Governor Kevin Meyer spoke to the media about the election yesterday. He says some voters may still be confused by the new system, which is different from the way previous elections were conducted in the state. This will be the first time using the ranked choice voting, and uh, I, I, I know people are um, are still going to be confused, even though uh, we've done the best we can in, in educating, and I know y'all have done uh, a good job as well. Again, this this election is unique in the sense that uh, we both have the special general, where um, people are going to rank the candidates, and then on the other side of the ballot will be the um, uh, primary, regular primary election. And and even that's a little different because in the past, people would have to ask either for the Democrat ballot or the Republican ballot in, in the primary. Now there's just, just going to be one ballot and people will pick one person. And then, of course, those, the top four then will, will go on uh, to, to the general. Myers said voter turnout is exceeding what the state has seen in past years. I'm happy to say that the in-person and, and absentee voting has already begun. And based on what we're seeing so far with the uh, is that people are excited and they are motivated and and uh, uh, and they are coming to, to out to vote. For example, as of yesterday, uh, uh, my chief of staff pulled up some interesting numbers here. Um, we've already had 6,600 people early vote, and that compares to a total of 8,000 total in in 2018. So we should easily exceed that 8,000 um, uh, number of early votes uh, that they had in 2018. If you have already received an absentee ballot, Myers said to vote now. He added that the Division of Elections Director Gail Fanumiai is working with the U.S. Postal Service on mail-in issues.
folks who, who have um, ordered an absentee ballot, if you have it, uh, you know, please fill it out and vote today. Uh, a lot of people wait till the last minute. And, and unfortunately, I know Gail has, has been working and has been meeting with the post office on a, on a weekly basis, but we don't control the post office. That's, that's a federal agency. And, and, uh, and, uh, so again, you don't want to wait till the last minute to, to mail your ballots if, if you can help it. And Meyer tried to dispel a rumor circulating that this election is by mail only. I just want to clarify some um, misinformation that I've, I've personally been hearing. Again, uh, you all with the press probably um, already know um, uh, that uh, about this misinformation that's out there, but it's concerning to me because uh, at least one of the candidates are, have been telling uh, voters misinformation. And so let me let me clarify that in the sense that this is not a vote by mail election. Um, we did a vote by mail for the special uh, primary election. Voting by mail is, is illegal. It, a state statute requires us to do uh, in-person voting unless it is a special election. Lieutenant Governor Kevin Meyer. Travel Juno's Liz Perry spoke to us this week about her thoughts on the recent Ironman Alaska Triathlon. We asked her about what the takeaway was from this event, especially when it comes to community support and the economic impact. Indications are that uh, both the athletes and the organizers uh, were very, very pleased with uh, Juno's uh, participation. They couldn't say enough about how the community turned out uh, to support the event um, in terms of volunteerism and just being friendly in town and very hospitable. And I would say that we may have underestimated the economic impact of of the event. So uh, we know that uh, athletes were uh, taking excursions and uh, doing a lot of shopping even prior to the event when they arrived early. And many talked to me and uh, and our staff wanting ideas on what to do uh, after the after the event. So I believe that they took advantage of a lot of the opportunities that our businesses provide, and we're going to see a really good impact um, economically for the city. Perry added that athletes were in town both before and after the event, and it was a boon to the local economy and regional economy. Many athletes, again, you know, they were staying several days in Juneau. Uh, I talked to uh, one athlete, for example, that was going to be in town in an additional couple of days and then was heading to Ketchikan to go fishing. Several were staying in town for another couple of days, then heading north to Anchorage and then off to uh, Denali and Fairbanks. So this uh, economic uh, ripple effect is going to be felt throughout the state and throughout, you know, especially throughout the region. Other large events like Ironman might be on the horizon for Juno, Perry said. I think we're going to be starting to get inquiries from um, other organizations, and because of our contractual obligation with Ironman, we'll have to be very selective about what kind of uh, events those are. But I think more importantly is that it puts Juno on the map for athletes and um, you know, people who love a lot of activity to come up to Juno to train, for example. You know, spend a week here running the mountains, or, you, know, right, you know, cycling out to the end of the road. And it opens up that opportunity as well, not just uh, ha- hosting a, a big event. Travel Juno's Liz Perry. Trail Mix's executive director, Ryan O'Shaughnessy, provided an update on the various trail work in Juneau. Well, a guest on Capital Chat. 
We have crews working um, on the Lena Point Trail. We're working on some of the some old staircases there. And that kind seems of like a that. bigger project you've been focusing on this summer. You know, we worked on it a little bit last year. Um, we're really fortunate to be partnering this year with um, the Rotary Club. Uh, our crews have been out there uh, improving staircases. We replaced some bridges uh, and really just making that trail to that point um, a lot more accessible. O'Shaughnessy said they will be working with the Forest Service on the Aknu Trail. Really excited to be working on the Aknu Trail coming up. Uh, we're working on an agreement with the Forest Service right now. Um, there's a bunch of materials up there that have been staged uh, in years past, and we're excited to get up there and put those to use. So we'll be graveling that trail, replacing some of the slippery boardwalk and slippery steps, um, and uh, working up there. We're also going to um, be doing a lot of work on the Christopher Trail. That's something we've been looking at for a few years, and we're really excited to, to get that going. Uh, and our work continues on Perseverance. He said of the work on Perseverance Trail. Big project for us is the Perseverance Trail. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that trail sees so much damage every year, and it's so popular. So um, we've had crews up there all summer. Uh, right now we have two of our field crews actually working on that trail, doing some bank stabilization and um, doing some tread corrections up there. Ryan O'Shaughnessy, Executive Director of Trail Mix. The Juno School District will continue to make masks optional for the upcoming school year. Juno Superintendent Bridget Weiss spoke on masking during the school board's meeting Tuesday night. We did have that discussion uh, in the work session, and masks will remain optional for our operations. And um, and so I wanted just to make sure that people knew that going forward. One of the things that we will emphasize in our schools this year is uh, the expectations we have around everyday operations for schools and health and safety. So we will be focusing on those. We certainly want uh, folks to, we want kids to stay home, adults to stay home if they're sick. Wise said that meetings will open to the public next month and that they will continue Zoom accessibility. Starting in September, our board meetings will be open to uh, public. Uh, and we are in person here tonight. Uh, but the other priority I heard the board tonight is maintain the Zoom option for participation. And so our public will have that as convenience to continue to watch our board meetings via Zoom, even though the board will predominantly be in person. During the meeting, the school board had approved the repeal of the mandatory testing for unvaccinated staff, Weiss explained. Administratively, we are recommending that you repeal this. Um, as an alternative, what we are planning to do is to stock um, our schools uh, well with antigen tests. Um, certainly one factor here is that there is uh, availability of antigen testing, um, at-home tests, and while there is access in our community, good access in our community, we also will supply our schools uh, so that staff um, can um, access those very easily, very conveniently, anytime that they choose. Um, and we think that many will. Uh, and we can also send those home with children if a parent requests some. Um, so we have some options as well to support families with those antigen tests. With school starting on August 16th, Weiss gave this heads up to families. We will welcome first through 12th graders on Tuesday. So it's hard to believe, but we are um, really excited about that. Uh, we're emphasizing school registration. We had a day on Friday last week. We're continuing to communicate with families to connect with us uh, if they have not registered yet. Um, we also will be sending out a family newsletter, a family letter from me in the next few days 
um, letting them know all of the new information. Juno Superintendent Bridget Weiss. Also, Juno School Board President Elizabeth Sidden gave an update to the contract with Nana Food Management Services while a guest on Action Line. In June, the board faced the question of what to do with the current Nana contract. Moving into the school year, uh, what we voted to do and was approved by the Department of Education was to continue with uh, Nana Food Services through this calendar year, so through the through December 31st, you're the first semester of the school year, uh, so that the board uh, also in parallel has authorized investigations into the floor sealant issue um, that happened earlier this summer and allowing those investigations to take place, allowing the board to receive that information and make a decision then moving forward into January of 2023 The board had moved to authorize both the investigation and approval of the contract extension until January 2023. At that point, again, there will be lead times needed, so we can't make that decision December 31st. The administration is um, pulling together uh, other potential options that could be in front of the board for alternative food services contracts um, or barring the results of the investigations, we could continue uh, a new uh, second half of the year contract with NANA. So the uh, investigations are happening in parallel with this first uh, sort of half of the year contract with NANA. Juno School Board President Elizabeth Sidden. Juno Police have identified the man who went overboard on a cruise ship Monday night. Here's Juno Police Lieutenant Craig Campbell. The cruise ship Koningsdam has identified the person who went overboard as 31-year-old Tennessee resident Lorenzo Anthony Holmes. Mr. Holmes was an entertainer on the cruise ship and had been working there since May of this year. Next of a kin of Holmes has been notified. This case is still under investigation. Campbell said JPD was notified by the Coast Guard at 11.52 Monday night that they had received a report of a person who had gone overboard from the cruise ship Koningsdam. At the time of the incident, the cruise ship was located in the Gasnow Channel across from the 430 block of Egan Drive. At the time of the incident, the cruise ship was located in the Gasnow Channel across from the 430 block of Egan Drive. Initial reports from cruise ship passengers reported hearing screams from a person in the Gasnow Channel. CCTV from the cruise ship confirmed a person climb over the ship's railings and never return. Passengers from a nearby cruise ship reported seeing something fall from the cruise ship Koningsdam and then call out for help. This story updates and corrects a previous report that Holmes was aboard the Eurodam. Never miss a story or a newscast at KINYradio.com. Now you're up to date. For News of the North, this is Kevin Allen.